Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I want to start out with my daily rant over at HartmanReport.com. Americans are fed up with both corporate and political grift. You know, the big question is, can Biden and the Democrats reverse that trend? And I start the story out talking about this boat that Louise and I bought in uh, Washington, D.C. We lived in it for seven years um, in the same marina where Joe Manchin has his much, much larger yacht. And then we sold it when we came back to Portland. It was very, uh, actually, it turned out to be a very interesting, fascinating, actually, and relatively inexpensive way to live in D.C. A lot cheaper, actually, than an apartment or a condo or anything like that. This boat was built in 1986. It was a Chris Craft Constellation. All the appliances were original. The washer, the dryer, the stove, the refrigerator. And they all worked after 35 years because we used to make stuff in this country that lasted. We've gone through like four toasters in the last five years. And one of my brothers has one of my mom's toasters from the 19, my mother's toaster from the 1950s that I'm sure still works. You know, thanks to Reagan's suspension of the Sherman Antitrust Act back in the early 1980s, what happened is that we had this massive consolidation of corporate activity all across the United States. And as a result, we ended up with basically monopolies running our entire economy. And for that reason, the average American family pays about $5,000 a year more for just the average necessities of life. We can debate what necessity means, but nonetheless, about $5,000 more than the average Canadian, the average European, the average Japanese, the average Australian. I call it a monopoly tax, but we're paying it to the monopolies, not, not to the government. Cell phone service in France is 15 bucks a month. Here it's, it averages 61.85 a month. High-speed broadband, $31 a month in France. Here it averages around $70 a month. We pay twice as much for drugs as any other country in the world. We pay more for airfares, for health insurance, for medical costs, dozens of product categories. And it's all a grift. It makes the stockholders rich, it makes the executives rich, and it's impoverishing the American working class, particularly given that wages have been frozen ever since the Reagan revolution. But expenses have exploded, particularly health care expenses. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court says, you know, corporations are persons with free speech rights. They have constitutional rights under the Constitution because they're persons. And one of those constitutional rights is the right of free speech. And because a corporation doesn't have a mouth or a body, 
Instead of speaking with a voice, they speak with money. And instead of their body going to prison when they kill people like PG&E did, where they, they killed, uh, uh, you know, they were convicted of burning 84 people to death in the Paradise Fire. And then now they're, they're charged with murdering four more people last year. After PG&E was convicted, did anybody go to jail? No, 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 no. Corporations don't go to jail. And we just keep accepting these grifts. I mean, it's crazy. There are very few California politicians who feel that they can stand up to PG&E any more than multi, than, you know, the national politicians are willing to stand up to fill in the blanks. I mean, this is really what's going on right now with the whole Mansion Cinema thing, is that neither Mansion nor Cinema are willing to stand up to the banks and the coal companies and, and, and whatnot who fund their campaigns, sadly. And by the way, let me take it beyond that. I, I tweeted this morning, why is it that in the last week I haven't heard a single media commentator or reporter on television ask a single Republican, why are you opposed to doing something about climate change, providing every American family with, with uh, uh, pre-K so that you know, they can work? I thought you were in favor of work. And giving seniors... Dental, co dental coverage and, and eyeglasses and hearing aids. Why are you opposed to this, Republicans? I heard a report on NPR this morning. It was all about how the liberals versus the regular Democrats. Really? Where are the Republicans in this? Anyway, there was a column in the Washington Post, the, the fixed column. And they asked the question, why is Washington so dysfunctional? They asked two former members of Congress, a Democrat and a Republican, and a reporter whose beat is Washington, D.C. in Congress. And none of them said, because of money and politics, which is really what's going on. I mean, this is not complicated. It's this big money grift in politics being run by the same corporations that the Supreme Court gave personhood to. And this is why in Joe Manchin's West Virginia, Bernie Sanders carried all 55 counties in the state in the 2016 Democratic primary and almost beat the unbeatable Clinton machine nationwide in the 2016 primary. And why a sizable portion of Bernie's primary voters in 2016, 12% actually, according to the surveys, voted for Donald Trump. Why? Because both Bernie and Elizabeth Warren in the 2020 cycle and Donald Trump in the 2016 cycle, but Bernie and, and Trump in the 2016 cycle, were all running as anti-grift, anti-corruption candidates. Remember Donald Trump leading chants at his rallies, drain the swamp, right? Everybody gets it. Now, you know, people didn't realize that Trump was just lying through his teeth, <laughs> but I mean, they believed that he was gonna drain the swamp. But the bottom line is that Americans are fed up with both the corporate grift and the political grift. And by the way, this fed up is showing up. I think it's, it's one of the things that's feeding the anti-vax hysteria. Oh, we can't trust government. Why? Because they're bought off. Don't trust politicians. Don't trust the government because they're owned by the corporate. I mean, you know, one of the big whole big anti-vax things is, oh, it's just, you know, it's just to make money for Pfizer. And, you know, you can understand somebody thinking that if you see that, you know, the people making the money are the ones who are calling the shots or pulling the strings. 
And so sensing this rebellion in the air, the slick front men and women over on the Republican side and in the right-wing media have come up with a whole new grift for their Republican voters saying, well, we'll tell you who the real villains are. No, it's not the money. It's not the bankers. It's not the people pouring cash into our pockets. No, 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 no. It's critical race theory and dark-skinned immigrants. Tom Cotton got 50 votes, all Republicans in the Senate, for an amendment. This was uh, yesterday or the day before that would have denied in the uh, let's fund the government to December 3rd legislation that prevented the government shutdown. He tried to amend that to deny money to Afghan refugees. After all, they're people of color. Now, on the Democratic side, the corrupt Democrats are just slightly more sophisticated. When Oregon Congressman Kurt Schrader voted to block Medicare from negotiating drug prices, he said, I'm voting against Medicare negotiating drug prices because I have a better way for them to do it. I mean, if you read the papers here in Oregon, you see that his voters are not buying his grift, but any more than the Democrats in Arizona are buying Kirsten Sinema's grift. But the fact of the matter is that the number of grifter politicians in the Republican Party is 100%. And the number of grifter politicians in the Democratic Party right now, at least with regard to the legislation that's before us, is two in the Senate and eight or nine in the House. I remember back, this was like 2005, I think. I did a fundraiser. As I recall, it was out west someplace, you know, in Phoenix or something like that, for the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Maybe it was in D.C., actually. In any case, I did this fundraiser with Raul Grijalva. He was the chair of the Progressive Caucus at that time. And there was maybe a half a dozen politicians there and maybe a hundred activists. And I think we raised a few hundred dollars for the caucus. It was, it was a small caucus back then. It's now because Americans are waking up and rejecting the grift the Congressional Progressive Caucus is now one of the largest, if not the largest, within the Democratic Party caucus in Washington, D.C., and one of the most vibrant, one of the most active, and one of the most powerful. Meanwhile, the Republicans are embracing Viktor Orban's Hungary. In fact, CPAC is going to hold their convention there next year. You know, an autocratic strongman rule by grifter politicians. I mean, the Republicans are just like going all in on the grift. Everything is on the line now. Everything is on the line now. There's an election coming, the 2022 election. We have to make sure that make sure that you are registered to vote. If you live in a state with a Republican Secretary of State, make sure that since the Supreme Court legalized this in 2018 in the Ohio case, make sure that you are still registered, that the Republican Secretary of State has not purged you, particularly if you live in like Georgia or Texas or any of the 26 or 27 Republican-controlled states. Because literally, these next two elections may be our last chance to stop the grift, both the political grift and the corporate grift, and get back to having a decent America. Israel in Chandler, Arizona. Hey, Israel, what's on your mind today? Liz Cheney. Not that I'm doubting that she would run for president, but I don't think that's where the smart Republican money is going to go. I think that what they're going to do, and it all depends on what happens at the end of 2022 with the congressional elections, and we should watch where the Republican money goes there. They were able to corral the, the Tea Party. I'm not so sure they can do that with the Trumpists, but they're going to try. But yeah. what they will do for 2024 is they will nominate a woman to run the top of the ticket. We've already got a woman as vice president. 
So yeah, that's why Christy Noem is running running so aggressively right now, and yes, why this well, Lewandowski story could take There's her down. Another. The one that's going to be the, the key for them is, is uh, I think, Nikki Haley. She's a governor as well, has been. She has right. served in various Trump positions as well in his administration. And she's a woman of color. And she's also got some bona fides with her reaction to the massacre at the church in Charleston. I believe it was five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Remember her reaction back then and everything? Yeah. So I'm sure they would play that up. Number three, I think... Th- the the money class in a Republican Party would be able to control her. Whatever we want, whatever's put on your desk, you sign it, make it into law. We don't care. And I think you know. Apropos of your uh, apropos of your comment that we should watch the 2022 election, I completely agree. I think the money class doesn't give a rat's ass about democracy or not, or the survival yes. of the republic or anything else. They just want to make sure they're not paying a lot in taxes and that their companies don't have to deal with onerous regulations to keep the air clean. If it's Trump that gives them that, they'll throw money at Trump or his surrogates or or people like him. And on the other hand, if it turns out to be Liz Cheney the, or Mitt Romney, the old-fashioned Republicans, they will go there. And they may, you know, and right now it's kind of being divided up state by state. But, but um, one of the interesting things that I saw this week was that Ron DeSantis is massively outraising Donald Trump in money from Wall Street, from big donors. DeSantis has got like a $50 million war chest now to run for president. Trump has raised over $100, $150 million, but most of it from his grassroots supporters with these literally daily emails that I'm getting from him. I got one from Kimberly Guilfoyle today. You haven't uh, made a donation in a lot this kind of stuff. And, and you know, where's that going to go and how's that going to change? They want to be supporting the horse race winner. That's all they care about. Yeah. Well, but what I think is, I, I think that these money, the money class in the Republican Party, I think they view, they haven't said it loudly, but I, I, I do talk to some people here. They view the Trumpists and Trump and his followers as too disruptive. Yeah. They're, they're willing to destroy democracy. And, and they, the money class needs a semblance. A, 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 a facade of democracy in order to get what they want. Right, if to maintain stability. Down, they've got nothing. Right. And yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. nobody wants to be a rich person in a country that, that is, you know, basically become a, uh, a third world country. Uh, yeah, I'm exactly. with you. Okay, Th- thank you very much. Okay. Uh, good to hear from you, Israel. I appreciate the call. Susan in Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, New York. Hey, Susan, what's up? Well, I watch PBS, and you know, I watch a lot of progressive stations, and I very seldom see any progressives being interviewed. As far as I'm concerned, Joe Manchin is the president. Joe Manchin gets what he wants. He is the anti-Democrat, as far as I'm concerned. And the Democrats are weak. They've been weak forever. Okay, they've been weak since Clinton. Obama never he did, never bailed out the he bailed out the banks and he walked away from Flint, Michigan. And the corporate people call up and say, well, you know, these journalists aren't asking questions. Well, of course they're not. They're not supposed to ask those questions. They're not supposed to ask the media questions because they're paid and they're corporate journalists. MSNBC, CNN, Fox, on and on and on. These are corporately owned journalists. And they're not going to ask the questions. So I hope that these progressive caucus, and they should be interviewing people from the South that are progressives. Because there are. We're only hearing about the South and the Trumpsters. These people should hold and block that bill today. Because you know what the Republicans are going to do? They are going to pass this bill with Joe Manchin and Seneca. And we're not going to get the things that we wanted in the full bill. 
They will block that just like they blocked Mayor Garland. It's going to be the same crap show, and the Democrats are going to look weak. Yeah. And the Republicans will win. And, and it's going and to kill Democratic I'm chances in the 2022 election. Of my weak party. Yeah. Yeah. I no, I'm, 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 I'm going to take a backbone, everybody. We have got to stand up for America now and the workers. And it hasn't happened. I mean, we bailed out the banks, and look at all the people that lost their jobs, and people still are suffering from 2008. And they're running the show like everything, and they run all the media networks. I find it hard to believe that people can even call up and say, well, I wonder why they're not asking that question. Well, we're capitalist society. This is why, Susan, this is why people were voting in the primaries in in 2016 and 2020. This is why people were voting for Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, because they were both saying the system is rigged and I'm going to change that. Now, Trump obviously just rigged the system even worse and brought in grifters, and, and, but he knew the rhetoric. He knew that people like you and me, and, and, and probably I think the, the majority of Americans, are sick and tired of politicians who have been bought off by various industries. And, we, and most people don't realize that what established this, what legalized this, was the U.S. Supreme Court with Citizens United and, and other decisions before that, but principally Citizens United. And until we take this down, until we take money out of politics, we're going to continue to have this problem in the Democratic Party as well as right across. I mean, the entire Republican Party is sold out. But now, now we've got, in the, now we're, we're seeing this cancer of money in politics rearing its ugly head in the Democratic Party. And hopefully it's waking a lot of people up to the urgency of getting money out of politics. couple of things I want to add to the rant, as it were. Joe Manchin came out and said, and he said something to this effect, but he just basically did a live media thing that was carried by all the cable networks, in which he said, you know, this three and a half trillion dollar bill, I would consider one and a half trillion. Now, let's be very clear about this. This bill is entirely paid for. This is not going to add a penny to the national debt. It's paid for by closing tax loopholes that are being used by very wealthy people and very large businesses, and by cutting subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. What's bizarre to me, and I'm, I'm seeing on a, uh, a monitor here in the studio uh, uh, right now, Inside Politics, uh, John King on CNN talking about, yeah, 1.5 trillion, he wants to cut it down to 1.5 trillion. There's no mention and you know, I suppose you could blame the Democrats for crappy messaging. But there's no mention of the fact that what Joe Manchin called for is not closing $2 trillion worth of tax loopholes. What Joe Manchin just said was, we should not close $2 trillion worth of tax loopholes. And in the process, not give seniors on Medicare glasses and dental and, and hearing aids, not do anything about climate change, or, you know, I mean, he's not specifying actually which parts of the bill he wants to remove. He's just saying, you know, you're closing too many tax loopholes? I don't know. Or is he saying, you know, I don't, I, you know, you're going you're gonna to put coal in trouble? And Kirsten Sinema, of course, is saying absolutely nothing. As Ro Khanna keeps going on television and pointing out, 
She won't even say, oh, here's my number or here's what I want or, you know, hey, just just, you know, guarantee me a huge job. Meanwhile, Rolling Stone is reporting. And this is pretty mind boggling. This this uh, by Andy Kroll, who's been on our program many times and uh, Jeff Dembicki with the fate of President Biden's domestic agenda and the balance and armada of right-wing dark money groups aligned with the Koch political network is mobilizing to sink Biden's $3.5 trillion Build Back Better plan. They call this the Koch-topus. They point out that in the last couple of election cycles, this Koch network has committed to, has pledged to spend over a billion dollars. Basically, it's better funding than the Republican Party. It has more employees and more offices around the country. Again, back to the Rolling Stone, Coca-Lined groups are together spending millions of dollars in advertising, targeting moderate Democratic lawmakers and pushing their influence in the halls of Congress to whittle down or outright kill the sweeping apology package, which would represent the largest expansion of the social safety net in the last 50 years and the biggest step toward addressing climate change in U.S. history. Now, this is the same group that killed when Obama was in office, when President Obama was in office, he proposed a cap-and-trade program to reduce our carbon pollution in the United States, something that worked just great for George Herbert Walker Bush back in the late, 90, uh, late 80s, early 90s, when he did a cap-and-trade program for sulfur dioxide. You may not remember that, but it was real. We had this huge problem with acid rain in the United States. And throughout the 70s and 80s, everybody was talking about it. Statues were, you know, their faces were melting off. Um, buildings were being damaged because the, the, the water coming out of the sky, the rain, had sulfuric acid in it. How did that sulfuric acid form? Because the, the coal-fired power plants and the oil-fired power plants were blowing sulfur into the atmosphere. And it was forming sulfuric acid in the upper atmosphere and coming down as rain and eating away things. We had an acid rain problem. So George Herbert Walker Bush said, well, let's do a free market solution here. Let's, let's put a price on, on sulfur emissions and then let companies buy and sell credits for those, for those emissions. And over time, we'll dim, diminish the number of credits we issue. And sure enough, within 10 years, we no longer had an acid rain problem. It actually worked. So Barack Obama said, President Obama said, let's do the same thing with carbon. And the Coctopus said, oh, no, you don't. And they killed it. They succeeded in killing it by paying off Democrats. They tried to kill Obamacare. And they succeeded in killing the public option. And they're, you know, and they're, I mean, they've, since then, they've kind of given up on that. But now, again, this is Connor Gibson, founder of the corporate watchdog organization, Grassroots Beer Investigations, who spent years tracking the Coke influence. He says, uh, quote, fighting the reconciliation bill is a top priority for Charles Koch's surrogates. This, this lobbying blitz. So it's like, you know, it's all coming together at once. And now, you know, Josh Gottheimer and Joe Manchin are coming out and saying, oh, no, we can't do this. It's, it's, you know, you, you're going to close three and a half trillion dollars with the tax loopholes. Really? All at once? No, no, no. Only one and a half trillion dollars worth of tax loopholes can you close. Which means you've got to start over again, by the way, which means that this bill is dead in the water because if you have to start over again and renegotiate it, it's going to spill over into next year's election and it's just not going to happen. This is the one chance. Anyhow, picking up your phone calls here, Anita in San Antonio. Hey, Anita, what's up? Hi, Tom. 
Yeah, I'm wondering why it's only members of the Progressive Caucus that I'm seeing on television promoting the Build Back Better agenda. I'm, I'm not seeing the more moderates like the uh, Tim Ryan or the Cory Bookers or uh, Jim Clyburn. I mean, is the media purposely only having on the Progressive Caucus because they don't want it to seem like it's just a, that, that really basically this is the moderates and the progressives together. Kirsten yeah. is an outlier. No, I absolutely. As 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 Ro Khanna keeps pointing out on TV, it is ninety nine percent of the Democratic caucus versus Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, yeah. and then in the House, you know, Josh Gottheimer and his little merry band. But apparently, they're willing to go along with this in the House, probably on the assumption that it'll get killed in the Senate, so they don't want to take the political fire. But I think you're right, Anita. I think what's going on is that the media is trying to create this narrative that this is this is the progressives. These are these, these you know, the, and, and, and by the way, you know, uh, progressives who are not, uh, you know, straight white men <laughs> and women. Yeah. It's, uh, you no, know, by, exactly. by and large. And so it's yeah, like, go ahead. No, I'm just wondering, like, Tim Ryan would be a great spokesperson for this. Sure. So sure. I don't know why people like that, especially since he's running for Senate, right? Yeah, he is in Ohio. So, in Ohio, yeah. I, I, I just saw, and, and as far as the no labels, Kirsten Cinema is also connected to the no, uh, no labels. Oh, I know. Uh, group. And, and yeah. you know, why don't we, why don't we, um, you know, she says that, that climate change is one of her big issues. Why isn't, why aren't people asking her about that? How can she be, a, you know, trying to do something about climate change? Well, yesterday, some reporters cornered her in the halls in, of Congress in front of an elevator that she was waiting for and said, where do you stand? Yeah. And she said, in front of the elevator. I know. She thinks she's cute. Right. I don't know right. what the deal is. I don't know if she's like an opportunist. She used to be uh, with Green Party Bro. originally. And also voted, she voted to extend the Trump tax cuts at one time when she was in the, the House. I knew she'd be trouble. Because she was like one of the, there's like one or two of the Democrats that, that voted with Trump. She was in the top four that voted with Trump. Hmm. So, uh, of Democrats. So, yeah. yeah. Should have been a flag. Should have been a flag. Yeah. Uh, Anita, yeah. Anita uh, you know, I, I think your question, the biggest question that you asked that, that I would love to see asked of our media is why is it when the entire Democratic caucus, pretty much every Democrat yeah. in the House of Representatives and every Democrat in the Senate is in, uh, is in favor of this legislation. And- uh, They're not yeah, bringing them on. That none of those people are showing up on TV. Instead, it's only progressive caucus members. And of yeah. the progressive caucus members, it's pretty much only people of color that they're putting on TV. Yeah. And you know, not that I, and this is not to say I have anything against people of color being on TV. I think it's no. a good thing, broadly speaking. Um, it, but it, it, it's almost like they've decided to have a narrative of, oh, uh, these, these folks in the Democratic Party who represent a, a, a more narrow uh, uh, constituency are the ones yeah. who are pushing for this, not everybody, in which, of course, which would include all the white people. I realize yeah, I'm walking into a minefield here. Well, we have, but we it's, have moderate this is what's going on. We have people of color that they could put on. I mean, that are that you know moderate, are moderate too. Part of the progressive caucus, but they're not putting anybody on except these 
people that Mo, Mo, Mo Khanna, or Ro Khanna, right. they're putting on people from the Progressive Caucus. Now, that said, Anita, you know, Ro Khanna and you know, or several other people and are actually members of leadership. You know, he's no, a vice chair of the, of the caucus, and Pramila Jayapal, of course, is the head of the, the right. caucus. So, you know, they should be out there. Thought? I'm with you. Where are, the, where are the rest of the Democrats? Why isn't this being portrayed as all against two? Thank you, Anita. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Give me just a moment here to, to, to kind of round out this rant about big money in politics and what's going on. Walmart, this is from uh, Judd Legum's newsletter, popular.info. Walmart calls for strong climate policy, right? Walmart is making public statements in a new post on LinkedIn. Walmart's chief sustainability officer, Kathleen McLaughlin, underscored the company's commitment to addressing climate change. She says, even the most ambitious voluntary individual and collective actions are not sufficient. Bold domestic climate policy action is needed if we are to meet the demands of this generational moment. And yet, Walmart, the centerpiece of that, by the way, is called the Clean Energy Standard, and the Clean Energy Standard is part of the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. It would allocate $150 billion to incentivize utilities to start using sustainable sources of power. This is in the $3.5 trillion bill. And Walmart's PR flack is out there saying, we love this. But Walmart's CEO, Doug McMillan, is leading a multi-million dollar campaign to kill this bill. He's the chair of the Business Roundtable, which is a group of influential CEOs 
who are, I'm reading from Judd Legum's newsletter, who are participating in a massive lobbying blitz to kill the reconciliation package and its clean energy standard. This is probably why, you know, Coke is also opposed to it. The head of Walmart is the head of the business roundtable, and their efforts to defeat the reconciliation bill include, quote, direct CEO engagement to Capitol Hill and the administration, as well as high-frequency radio, print, and digital ads in over 50 media markets across the country, generating calls and letters from constituents and target states. General Motors. The, com the, the company comes out, and this was uh, day before yesterday, on Tuesday, General Motors released a statement officially endorsing the reconciliation bill, the $3.5 trillion bill, saying it represents a once-in-a-generation opportunity for our nation. This is from General Motors' statement, quote, General Motors applauds those who have worked tirelessly to advance the Build Back Better plan and urges Congress and the administration to move toward legislation that will bring critical improvements to our country. Build Back Better lays the foundation for sustainability policies. Yesterday, the Business Roundtable announced that next year, their new head is going to be Mary Barra, who is the CEO of General Motors, the organization that is leading the fight against the Build Back Better plan and the clean energy standard. And somehow all the media coverage just kind of ignored this, as Judd Legum points out. Apple, same deal. Apple's VP for Environment, Policy, and Social Initiatives, Lisa Jackson, said the enactment of a clean energy standard, the CES, this is part of the reconciliation bill, would decarbonize the power sector by 2035. She said that it's urgent that we do this. That's their VP for Environment, Policy, and Social Initiatives. But the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, he sits on the board of the Business Roundtable. When MSNBC asked him about, you know, okay, you're on the Business Roundtable, they're opposed to this, you as a company are in favor, what's the deal? No comment. No comment. It's amazing. Norm in Tampa, Florida. Hey, Norm, what's up? Hey, what I see here in terms of the budget is, and Mitch McConnell's position, is an extension of the, J, of the J6 insurrection. And they're using the legislative process to disrupt, destroy, and dismantle the government. And so it's, it's, one, it's all one and the same. I wrote about this in my little blog about the insurrection is being televised. Uh, you're within the norms.com. But the point is, is that when you look at, for example, Tim Scott, you know, they picked him to do the, the to, 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 to make a reconcile with, uh, with, uh, Cory Booker. And he just dragged it along until his handlers said, okay, we dragged it along long enough. And Democrats all of a sudden are, oh, well, you know, they didn't do whatever. But that's the way the process runs to destroy and disrupt this government and this democracy and those sort of thing. And that's, that's just my, that's my opinion today. And that's all just leave the line. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's what they're all about. Norm, thank you. And I noticed that John Nichols in The Nation just published a piece where he points out that Bill Clinton promised big things to America and then got blocked by people within the Democratic Party and never was able to deliver, and the Democrats lost the next midterm, and then lost power. And you got George W. Bush. Barack Obama promised big things to America, and then got blocked within his own party, 
and got the word he used was shellacked during the midterms. If Joe Biden doesn't succeed, keep in mind, this is not the Progressive Caucus's bill. The Progressive Caucus's bill was a $6 trillion piece of legislation. This is President Biden's bill. And if Joe Biden doesn't succeed in getting this thing passed, President Biden and the Democratic Party are going to have one hell of a lawful 2022 election. And by extension, given how dangerous the Republican Party has become, how it's become filled with people who overtly, explicitly hate democracy, don't believe in elections, they're, passing, they're changing election laws all over the country so that Republican officials can actually change the outcomes of elections. Inviting armed goons into polling places to intimidate voters. I mean, we are looking at the subversion of democracy right in front of us. And if a couple of Democrats succeed in defeating President Biden's agenda, not the Progressive Caucus, and I, you know, I, I get it that, you know, hey, they're being invited to be on TV and here they are, but this is not the Progressive Caucus's legislation. This is President Biden's legislation. It's half the size of what the Progressive Caucus wanted. And if a handful of Democrats, literally a handful, six, seven, eight of them in the House, two in the Senate, are able to block this. It doesn't just threaten Biden's agenda. It doesn't just threaten the ability of Democrats to hold on to the, to the House and the Senate in the 2022 elections. I mean, it does threaten those things. But frankly, I think that it threatens American democracy itself. I'm with Robert Kagan on this, which is something I never thought I'd say out loud. Rick in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Rick, what's up? I've been listening to you for a long time. I enjoy going. I enjoy the Tom Hartman College. Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I was looking. I seen uh, the Southern War flag with the black stripe, and that star is like on the Republican star. You know why they turned it? My opinion, it's it's like the Republican or the. Southern war flag. What's well, the new uh, fascist flag? It's the the flag of fascist America. Right. And well, and again, I just want to stress that this 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 money in politics causes the polarization, and this is something Republicans and Democrats alike they got a bald spot, a political bald spot when it comes to money in politics. Or and politics. Blind spot. Yeah. And but to see, this was given to us courtesy of the Supreme Court. It was the Supreme yes, Court that said I, that money is free speech. I, I realize that, but it's like a political bald spot on, on the electorate's head. And quite yeah. frankly, a, a quarter of an electorate is just politically bald altogether. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, uh, with all res due respect to men who are bald and, and the few women who are, uh, I'm not sure that's the best metaphor, but, but you know, I, I get what you're saying, and, and I, I prefer to refer to money in politics as, as cancer or as poison. It is killing our politics, and, and I agree with you. Uh, I, I think that this, the, the whole reason why we're having these kinds of political wars is because there are people funding those wars on the sidelines whose names are almost never mentioned. Lee in Tallahassee, Florida. Hey, Lee, what's up? Is there any reason why Schumer or the Republican Party can't take these two 
off of their committees. You mean the Democratic Party? Like, yeah. Yeah, there is. With regard to cinema, I'm guessing they could probably be you know, a stripper of whatever. Well, actually, with both her and Manchin, the, the big risk is... First of all, both of them have voted for a lot of good things that have passed. The Democratic agenda has had a whole bunch of pieces to it. You know, there's been some major legislation, in fact, that's been passed by Democrats recently that Manchin and Cinema were on board with. So first of all, they're not like just total traitors to the cause. Um, secondly, though, if you put the pressure on them hard enough, either one of them could simply say, okay, that's it, I'm gonna join the Republican Party. For Manchin in West Virginia, that would probably help him politically. For Cinema in Arizona, it would probably hurt her. But if, uh, but if Joe Manchin were to do what Jim Justice, who is the governor of West Virginia, did, Jim Justice was elected as a Democrat, um, I believe it was three years ago, and months after his election announced that he was gonna, he switched parties, he became a Republican. And his popularity went up in West Virginia. So, you know, Fox News is heavily watched in West Virginia, and Joe Manchin is on Fox News a lot. So, you know, there, there's some strong incentives for them to leave the Democratic Party. And that's, that's what I think Chuck Schumer is trying to avoid hap having happen. Make sense, Lee? I don't know. If they're not going to do anything well, about that's, what that's really where... needs to be done, why would it matter? It would matter because the, right now the Democrats control the Senate, and if they lost control of the Senate, they would literally lose everything. I mean, they, they have at least theoretically the ability to get around the filibuster and to get some things done. If one of those two senators was to leave the Democratic Party and join the Republicans, um, you know, it would be far, far worse than it is right now. Lee, thank you. Uh, Bill in Beaverton, Oregon. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? Hi, thank you very much. Um, it, um, it, it sets my hair on fire when um, the Democrats are not pointing out to the American people regarding this bill, you know, when, when they get the arguments against it, because it, it's costing $350 billion a year and so forth, the Democrats are not pointing out that had this ongoing subsidy for the oil companies of $600 billion every year of taxpayer money. Right. And that's what the And a good chunk of that goes want. away with this new piece of legislation, this three and a half trillion dollar legislation. Part of that legislation is supposed to eliminate the subsidies. subsidies. That's absolutely correct. And it redirects those subsidies to power plants, to the utilities. It subsidizes them instead to get their energy from uh, green sources. Wind, hydro, solar, so geothermal. Yeah, that's a critical point I think that needs to be delineated to the people. Oh, I agree. So, I agree. I mean, that's, yeah. that's you know, absolutely. Bill, thank you. I mean, the, everybody has been playing who's on which side and gotcha with this thing. And we have, and this is where the media has really failed the American public. We have not been talking about what's in this bill. I mean, I've been talking about it a lot here on this program, but generally speaking, the media does not talk about what's in the bill. Instead, they talk about the price tag. Jim in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind today? Not long ago when you were talking about if, if this stuff doesn't pass, look out for the 22 election. Right. It could be bleak. You know, I'm thinking the opposite, Tom, and I'm usually not an optimist when it comes to politics. 
But I'm thinking that should put a fire under us, us Democrats, to know we got to get out there in the, in the in the midterms and and just outnumber everybody big time. And that and that's with the voter suppression states, you know, the red states yeah. that got voted. We got to get out there and make sure we gain more seats. Now, of course, we can in the Senate because you got. You got uh, those uh, Manchin and Cinema up for re-election time, I, I think, until twenty-four. Correct. And we do. I wonder the five, the five uh, dissidents in Congress in the House, like Schrader in your state, and others. Uh, are they up for re-election in the midterms? Yeah, everybody, everybody in the House, one hundred percent of the House. Uh, House terms are only two-year terms. Uh, Senate terms are six-year terms, so one-third of the Senate is up for re-election every every two years. So it's a third of the senators and all of the members of the House. And and you know whether they're going to see primary challenges or not is, is largely up to the local party and up to the local Democrats. But you know I think that there may be some opportunities for progressives to pick up more seats as we go into the 2022 election. This is going to be one of the most consequential elections in our history. Jim, thanks a lot for the call. I did want to share with you my thoughts on Louis DeJoy. And, and this is a big a BFD, as, as Joe Biden would say. Tomorrow is the day, officially, that the post office has slowed down first-class mail from three days to five days. Tomorrow is the day, officially. You're taking your first-class mail off the airplanes and putting it on trucks. He destroyed several hundred high-speed sorting machines, which even slows it down further. And he's got the post office sending millions of dollars in contracts to his own company that he's making money from. And he got this job by raising a million bucks or a whole pile of money, I believe it was around a million dollars for Donald Trump, from his employees using what's called a straw donor scheme, which is a felony. And the guy is still running the post office. And the main reason he's still running the post office is that a Trump-appointed Democrat by the name of uh, Ron Bloom is the head of the Postal Board of Governors, this nine-member board. There's five Democrats on the board. You'd think, oh, they'll get rid of DeJoy, except one of those Democrats who was appointed by Donald Trump is like loving Louis DeJoy. And I'm, I'm just saying, it's, this is something that the Postal Board of Governors are appointed by the president. This is something that President Biden could be doing something about. I realize he's got a hell of a lot of stuff on his plate. And this is not a rant to pick on Biden, but our post office is being destroyed right in front of us. I mean, we were talking a couple of years ago about postal banking, about the, expanding the post office so that it could provide banking services to low-income people like happens in many other countries around the world. We were talking in 2005, the post office was talking, that, I forget the name of the guy, but who was running the post office, came out and said, we're going to convert the whole fleet of postal vehicles, the largest single vehicle fleet in the United States, we're going con- to start the process of converting them all to electric. That was the year that Congress said, oh, no, you don't. You're going to take $5 billion every year and set it aside in a trust fund to pay for the retirement health care expenses of people who retire 70 years from now. So they kneecapped the post office. And then Trump comes in and he puts DeJoy in. And then when DeJoy gets before the House Oversight Committee, he says, get used to me. This guy's like a mafia, mafia, you know, Don, or at least he thinks he is. 
So, you know, amongst all the many things that we are letting our legislators know about and the ways that we are trying to put some pressure on the on the White House to do the right thing. And I would I would you know add to that, hey, Justice Department, why aren't you seriously holding some of these January 6 people to account? Um, let's get rid of Louis DeJoy, huh? You know, we have actually gotten a lot done. And I think it's important to note that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema voted for these things, the 2021 budget, the 2022 budget, the $1.889 trillion COVID relief bill. That was a big deal. Every single Republican voted against that. And Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema voted for it. This is, I mean, this is why it's important to keep them in the caucus. That doesn't mean that they're immune to criticism or critique. Uh, they also passed the, the, the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. But, you know, again, I, I see that as a, uh, as a stalking horse or whatever the, whatever the proper metaphor is, as a way of trying to destroy the larger bill, which does away with, and let's be very clear about this, and this needs to be, you know, you will not hear this in the corporate media for, for reasons I can't fathom. But the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill is 100% paid for by closing tax loopholes. 100% paid for by closing tax loopholes. And redirecting the hundreds of billions of dollars a year in tax subsidies that we are giving to the fossil fuel industry, redirecting that to green energy as a way of trying to solve the climate crisis. It's pretty straightforward stuff. Karen in Oakland, California. Hey, Karen, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Yeah, hey, Tom. You know, thank you for everything. I'm just calling this morning because I heard you talking about the fact that, you know, they don't manufacture things the way that they used to. Yeah, Karen, can you get your mouth a little closer to the microphone? It sounds like you're in an echo chamber here. Yeah, you know, they don't manufacture things like they used to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, excuse me, you just caught me in the middle of the workout. And so I have to breathe a minute. And so, you know, I discovered that a long time ago when I was younger and I was, you know, having my babies and raising my kids. I stayed at home and I was making interiors and sewing clothes. And I had gone through, my kids weren't even five yet. And I had gone through two sewing machines from Sears. Wow. And that's when I realized either I pay for expensive Cuisinart or whatever, you know, high end quality products or I just go back to the 60s. So I started shopping antiques. Mm-hmm. And I still have that old sewing machine. I don't know where the Sears one is, and it's probably in the landfill, which yeah. tells us, you know. And I also have an antique mixer. It's like the best cake mixer I've ever had. So um, that tells us that fast production, fast construction, and fast fashion is like the worst thing that we can do for the climate. Well, it goes and beyond that, that. These manufacturers are like making bank on fundamentally a subscription for toasters. Exactly. Like, and, we and have to pay that. There's a phrase for it. Maybe it's two or three years, but that subscription's coming back as long as you need a toaster, you know? Yeah, there's a phrase for it. It, it, it was a big thing in the 70s. It, people, you know, we actually kind of had a national conversation about this that lasted maybe a month. Uh, I remember it well, and it's called planned obsolescence. And it was this huge scandal yeah. when it came out that some of these manufacturing companies were starting to make products that they knew would break down in two or three or four years because they were planning the obsolescence of these products. And, and, and Americans, and this was in the 70s, it was late 70s, and Americans were shocked. Are you serious? And then it just became normal. It's just like how they make I everything know. now. 
And it's a giant grift. It's a huge grift. I mean, you know, planned obsolescence includes automobiles. Yep. That's where where it first came out. That's where oh, it first it came out. I think it may, might have been Ralph Nader who was who was laying it out. But that's that's you know where oh, the story I first. That one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal in the seventies, and and I, I remember it because I lived in Michigan in the seventies, and you know the unions and the automakers and and anything that had to do with cars was you know front page news no matter what. Uh, you know half right. the people I knew when I was growing up. In fact, probably four fifths of the people I knew growing up their their well, fathers were. Well, in the seventies, I was. Yeah, in the 70s, I was completely apolitical, and all I cared about were rock stars and lipstick. So I was completely clueless. Well, I was into rock stars, um, but, but I, also paying yeah, attention Yeah, but I was not paying attention to politics yeah. at all. And yeah. I was shocked to realize, oh, my God, I missed so much. But the thing that I wanted to mention to you was, um, anyway, I forgot that point because, you know, we're doing that thing. Mm-hmm. But the book was 11 points. Uh, I got to get that and read that. That sounds amazing. Okay. All right. Karen. And yeah, I'll look it up on your website. And finally, sweet tarts. That's, they're totally irresistible. And that's how I feel when I want to call this line. It's like, no, you can't call. You have to do your work. Okay. Oh, pop tarts. So you're my sweet tarts. Yeah, <laughs> no, oh, sweet yeah. tarts. Because oh, really? they're sweet and tart, and I can't resist them. Oh, that's oh you. okay. Thank you. All right. So we're having for me now. Well, that's good. I suppose. Oh, yeah. No, I love fun. <laughs> All right. Karen, thank, thank you, you very so much, much for, for everything. Yeah. Nice to hear from you. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Jeff in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jeff, what's up? You know, I just wanted to completely agree with you on how the corporate media, you know, they're once again failing in their framing of this uh, and the coverage of the uh, reconciliation package. They didn't blink an eye when Trump passed a $2 trillion tax cut for the rich. Um, And by the way, if you extend that out for 10 years, it becomes a $7 trillion tax cut. Exactly. And just like the military budget, uh, which was increased, uh, it's going to go up from 740 to 780 billion this year. That's that's you know, if you uh, extrapolate, extrapolate that that's going to be over 10 trillion dollars over 10 years for the military budget. This is an investment in in child care, health care, education, green jobs. And, and they're losing their minds uh, over, 
you know, what really amounts to $350 billion a year, less than half of what the military budget is. Right. And as you, as you mentioned, the uh, piece by John Nichols today, um, you know, Biden's trying to emulate FDR. He's trying to put the Democratic Party and America back on the winning track. Um, Zach Carter uh, had a good guest op-ed for the New York Times last week, uh, drawing the same parallels between now and 1933, um, when FDR, he, he followed the advice of John Maynard Keynes, and he went big and bold. Sa- he saved our economy uh, and, the, and our country while Europe went descended into fascism. Yeah, the so, difference, though, was that FDR was elected with an absolutely landslide, overwhelming Democratic majority in the election of 32. And so when he took office in March of 33, um, he, he, he had way more votes than he needed. And there was so much pressure put on the few remaining Republicans from their constituents that many of them went along with his program. Yeah, but he, he he had to be pushed in. Apparently, you know, uh, John Maynard Keynes Keynes wrote a, uh, a thing. Uh, I guess back then in the New York Times, he wrote a piece. You know, you know, saying that you, you know you got to go big. Uh, the the uh, that his um, to his uh, like um, rescue package, similar to Biden's, wasn't going to be enough. You had to you had right. to invest in the economy. And, and really, you know, and I think we're at a similar crossroads today, Tom. You know, um, the, we're, the, the only thing that the Republican Party is offering is autocracy and, and anti-democracy. And, and so, you know, uh, Jamie Raskin was on MSNBC last night saying, you know, we, we have to, you know, whatever happens, he's he's for the democracy party, and we and yeah. the, the Democrats have to have, have to do this, and you know, and, and the progressives, we need to really support them. Uh, this, these these patriotic progressive uh, caucus members that are standing strong, uh, we should be getting on the phones and supporting them, and calling people. You know, if your member of Congress isn't on board, to try and get them on board because it, it really the future of democracy is at stake here, and, and you know, they're they're smart not to give in to any compromises at this point because you know what's what's the alternative um if anything like you were saying the other day okay maybe cut it to a five-year deal or a four-year deal but right. keep everything in yeah you know what do you think i i think that's the way to go frankly uh, but now joe manchin has a new demand he wants the hyde amendment in there he wants to forbid the government from funding abortion <laughs> So it's it's like, you know, no matter what you say to him, he's going to have something new. In addition to cutting this bill down to one and a half trillion, which we could do by just taking it from a 10 year horizon down to a three or four year horizon and leave everything in it and then let the Republicans run on on reversing these things. But in addition to cutting it down to one and a half trillion, uh, Joe Manchin now wants the Hyde Amendment to be put into the uh, Build Back Better program so that, uh, you know, never again can the government, or actually it's been this way since 1976, the government can't pay for even remotely in any way possible, including for people in the military, abortion services. Just like, you know, really? It's like something new? JJ in St. Joseph, Missouri. Hey, JJ, what's on your mind today? Uh, you was talking about LaJoy a minute ago. Yeah, Louis DeJoy, yeah. Yeah, Louis LaJoy greased his way in there because didn't he give... Trump a hundred million dollars for his campaign. One million, yeah. He raised and he One raised million. it from okay. his employees and then reimbursed his employees, which is a felony. Right, right, okay. But the other side of this whole deal is LaJoy wants 
to keep that postal job because he owns one of the top five or biggest trucking companies, Expo Logistics. You look it up, Expo Logistics. And then he bought out a company called Jacobson's in Des Moines, Iowa, which has warehouses all over the country. And he is big. And so he wants to get into that trucking part of it, the moving of it. And then his biggest prize is what they have put in the kitty to look ahead 70-some years that's sitting there, that money. Yeah, which is now around $35, $40 billion. This guy is like, he's a hustler's hustler. I mean, he makes hustlers look bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He makes them look really sad. But this is all about... I grease your hand, you grease mine, you know, whatever. But I think this was sought out some time ago. But like you said, Biden needs to step in here and get the governors around there and get him out because he's going to destroy our postal service, which is being being hampered or hamstringed by this guy and almost cost us what in the election when he started taking out machines who's who's replaced the machines yet in the post office no they have not replaced Has anybody them. and no That's they have not right. replaced them and they and they have no plans to i mean each one of those machines cost millions of dollars and they they got Absolutely. basically turned into scrap so uh, yeah, that's a tough one with regard to the Build Back Better plan, I think that the marketing could have been done a lot better. They need to be pointing out that the, that $3.5 trillion is paid for by closing tax loopholes. That's something that sells well to the American people. The, the benefits of the program, they're starting to, to promote those, but mostly they've been letting the Progressive Caucus do their work for them. And I, I think they maybe they think that that lets them keep their heads down and so there's not as much incoming fire against the Biden administration itself. But the bottom line is, if the Progressive Caucus goes down, if this thing goes down, and if the, the mansions of the world and the cinemas of the world and the Republicans succeed and the media succeed in blaming progressives for the failure of both these programs, then there's going to be hell to pay in 2022. It's going to be a very, very ugly situation. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 